This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back to the In the Woods podcast, the show dedicated to your strange and eerie encounters outdoors. Today's episode features a truly haunting tale from unearthly sounds coming from the forest to a family left in fear. This is In the Woods, the show all about the mysterious and terrifying things that go down beyond the tree line. I'm Jensen, the new host of In the Woods, at the request of Darkness Prevails. It's a pleasure to be here tonight. For a link to our Discord where you can be interviewed for a future episode and discover more horror podcasts, go to eeriecast.com. For more from me, you can also find me on YouTube under Original Jensen. I am accompanied by Entropic, who will be sharing his story to give us a little insight on what happened that day. Entropic, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, um, I have a channel of my own, um, and I, I also do horror stories and things like that, but um, I grew up in um, a haunted house and that kind of pertains to the story itself. Um, and then I've just been in love with horror kind of ever, ever since. All right, cool. And, um, whereabouts, uh, exactly did you grow up? You don't have to give town or anything, no, no need to dox yourself, but more or less like uh, the backstory of your, I guess, your upbringing in this house. Was it like a small town or a big town or? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I lived in a, a decent sized town, but I was in the very woodsy part of it. So this is in the deep south of Georgia, kind of smack in the middle of the state. But uh, the around five or six, I moved to a new house that was on a new plot of land, and it was uh, the last house on the street. So I had a neighbor to my right, and then everything past that and behind us for miles were woods okay so yeah so you're seeing about five or six years old at, at this time or this a little bit after that yeah yeah so this is right when I, i'm five or six so i'm very impressionable at this age all right yeah so i guess go ahead and take us down the road of what happened happened that night or day or or let us know for sure so um as a child i was um allowed to go out in the woods and do whatever just because uh, the situation with where i lived i didn't have a lot of friends that lived nearby so my parents encouraged me to go out in the woods and explore and have a good time the problem with that however uh, with this new house we moved to um the, the backyard and the side yard uh, went for miles um before there was another living person so um, one of my goals was to, um, I wanted to walk through the woods and go to the next town, which was about seven or eight miles away. Um, but I remember one day, um, I was just kind of in the backyard doing my own thing. And um, I kind of had a very weird sense where um, all the noise in the woods kind of stopped. And so my senses kind of heightened and I kind of look around and I notice I'm hearing chanting and like a rhythmic beat coming from deep in the woods. Um, so, you know, me being five or six and uh, being allowed to go in the woods, naturally I wanted to explore that. So I went out there and um, this was around midday. And it seemed as if the further I would go into the woods, uh, the sound or the beat or the rhythm or whatever, 
Um, it seemed to draw me from my house and out deeper into the woods. So the closer I'd get to the sound, or where I thought the sound was, it would appear that it would slightly start to fade. So I would, you know, I'd keep keep going forward and trying my best to have local landmarks to to make sure I knew where I was going because I'm by myself in the woods. Um, and then it finally takes me to a point where I can no longer see my house behind me, and the trees kind of obscure everything, and uh, I'm kind of in the middle of the woods. And I notice that the the sound appears to stop, but uh, my high sense of uh, caution still seemed to be there. And then around that time, I some it started to wash over me that I was in a place I shouldn't be. And so I was looking around and I kind of got disoriented just by this weird sensation I was feeling. And then I, it would appear that the trees in front of me where I thought the noise was coming from, a good distance away, I'd, whether it was the trees or the time of day or the shadows, um, but it felt like there was something ahead of me peering out every now and then. I would I would catch movement, even though I wasn't moving, I'd catch movement as if something somewhat large and skinny poking out from behind trees and so um i finally kind of uh caught notice of this and whenever i would focus on a tree whatever it was would go to a different one um and i knew that something was out there with me whether it was human or it was paranormal or cryptid or whatever um i just knew that i should not be there and so I tried my best to, to venture my way back, and I'm sure I got sidetracked, but eventually I found my house. But the whole way back, it felt like whatever it was that I saw out in the woods followed me back. And so um, eventually I made it back to my house, and then I would notice in my backyard ever since that incident, whatever would pop out from behind the woods would be at the tree line. And so it would it followed me to my house. And so the way my house was situated, it was on a slope. So um, part of the basement was exposed, going downhill into the trees. And uh, we had a back door to the basement. And I remember one day, um, we were always instructed to keep that door locked, even though we would go in and out of it all the time. And eventually, uh, it just eventually happened where either me or one of my siblings left that back door unlocked. And then... Um, I remember one day uh, we went downstairs to the basement or whatever, and we saw that the basement door was uh, slightly ajar. Um, and then ever since then, um, it it would appear that my house would be haunted by some kind of entity since that. Your siblings, were they, they were the situation as well? Was it something that you brought up to them or something that you kept to yourself for a while or? So that was the thing at first. Um, I just, I, I didn't know what to make of it and I didn't tell anyone. Um, but it, it quickly became apparent to my family that something had definitely changed. Um, so the basement at the time was unfinished, and so, uh, but we had an air hockey table down there. So we would want to be down there and kind of just run around and be rowdy. Ever since that incident, um, basement just had like a cloud of just negative energy. Um, and no one wanted to go in the basement anymore. In fact, it got to the point with my siblings and the rest of my family we would lock the stairs, uh, the door to the stairs that led to the basement. We just locked it just because no one wanted to be down there anymore. Interesting. Your parents, too, they had this this uneasy feeling where they would just tell you, like, hey, you guys go ahead and just, just keep out of there. Like, let's not 
Let's not go down there anymore. Um, they were more uh, your typical horror movie parents, where it's like, oh, it's just your imagination. Um, however, it did get to the point, and this is uh, connected to the story. Um, later on, we were watching a horror movie, and the basement came up because of you know how everything was. And I remember one of my siblings asking my dad, or um, you know, uh, hey, are ghosts real during this movie? Before he could answer, um, in our basement, um, some type of box uh, tipped over and hit one of the studs or one of the foundation boards or whatever to the house and shook the whole house right before he could answer. And so right then, he basically said, no one's allowed to go into the basement. That's crazy. That was really bizarre. Yeah. Do you have any other any experiences in that forest outside of that event? Oh, yeah, we have several. Um, I remember uh, just kind of how our household was at the time. My dad had to travel a lot. And so I remember one vacation, he had to go on a trip during that vacation. So he said he's just going to stay home. And so it got to the point to where I kind of got used to the, the whatever you would call it. I kind of got used to it. And we eventually finished that basement. And... um and what ended up happening is, is I moved my room down there. And so I liked the space and I kind of got used to the energy or whatever. Um, and it didn't bother me too much. Um, I just wouldn't focus on it. But anyways, so my dad's by himself in, um, in our house. I remember I get a text from my dad saying, do you leave like a radio on or a laptop on in your room or something? Like, no, like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have anything like that. It's like, why do you, like, why do you ask? And he's like, well, um, late last night, his room was um, slightly to the left up. So his, so he was on the main floor. His bedroom was uh, just slightly adjacent to mine. Not directly below, but it was close enough. And he texted me. He's like, well, um, I thought I heard someone talking coming from your room downstairs. He's like, well, I thought maybe it was just like an alarm or I was hearing something. Then it, he he walked over to where it was directly above my room. He could hear um, two people talking, coming right directly below from where my room was. And so I asked him. I was like, "Hey, did you like did you go down there and check?" He's like, "No, I'm I'm too afraid." That rhythmic chanting. Did you hear it any other times outside of the forest after that too, or just that one time? No, I, I yeah, that was the only time, and it was so bizarre because I remember thinking like, "Oh, like." This is like it wasn't something where it was like, like am I imagining this? Like I was, I was like captivated by this sound. Like I was like, oh, this, there must be some kind of festival or some kind of activity going on where there's a group of people out in these woods. Um, but no, that was that was the only time. How, how far did the woods span out? Was it like a good, like no real clearing, or was it? pretty open or just uh, like acres of woods. Like you just, you went into the woods and it just, it kept going. Uh, it, it was honestly, it, so it continued downhill for a good ways and it got to the point to where, um, it was very thick with trees and it was almost not quite swampy, but I mean, there was definitely standing water in good sections. Uh, so you couldn't, wouldn't necessarily want to be out there for any reason, unless, um, you were some kind of like wildlife official or something or, uh, like no normal person would have a reason to be out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it went for miles. Um, and 
the like directly back and to the left it, it, i mean the the next person you were going to see was going to be in a town 10 miles away yeah do you think you'd ever go back there again to kind of revisit it and see if you know what you what you had heard that day might, might still be out there um that's the thing is uh the, as as i grew up and eventually moved out of that house um they continued building to the left and so more homes kind of went back there but um i have no i have no desire to to go back to that house or to that that part of the woods no yeah that'd be interesting you know someone's house is just built over this spot and they just you know hey who's playing dubstep in there you know just they keep hearing yeah <laughs> these chants and no one's in there just it's a quiet room just beats yeah, exactly it, yeah did it and that was kind of or did it sound it just sounded like can you kind of give us like uh uh in your own i guess own impression like what the the chanting sound like was it over like almost vocal or did it sound like an instrument so that was that that's part of the reason why it was so weird and captivating was I couldn't make out any direct words or anything. It was just a rhythmic beat. And then someone was just chanting just sounds. It wasn't, but that was the thing is like, I could hear it clearly. Yeah. It wasn't like a muffled, muffled song or, um, this was, this, this was like clear, um, whatever it was, was very audible. And then the, the, we had other haunting experiences within the house. I don't know if you'd be interested to hear that. Yeah, um, I think I think uh, yeah, we'd love to know kind of because I feel like, you know, these hauntings might have escalated from that first encounter. So these feel like they definitely kind of branched off and something might have, you know, I think a lot of people believe in um, like spirits attaching themselves to, to people or to events. And mm -hmm. then they tend to linger. I mean, I personally have had experiences like that where it just seems like they follow me from house to house and, you know. Oh, and, wow. You know, I've gotten to points where I smudged, like this house I moved into this time, you know, I'd taken a shower mm -hmm. and then saw like uh, through my curtains, it was a little translucent and I saw like someone standing there outside and I was like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so I just finished my shower and I was just terrified. I, was, I didn't want to give it any, you know, you can't give it any energy. But when you're a kid, you know, you don't know these kind of things. You just, I... you know, you just, uh, fear you know and um yeah yeah i mean what other what other experiences did you have because what age did you live in this house entirely from so like from age five to like what would you say uh i mean i was there until i mean i moved out till i was uh, 18 wow and my okay. parents lived there for another five years after i left and um still had issues with things um, but yeah, other other things. So there's a couple of different things. So kind of going back to that basement, um, whatever it was for the longest time, really liked the basement. Um, it was dark, it was cold, it wouldn't really go down there a lot. So it kind of had its own space. But um, we would keep that basement door locked. Um, but the problem was with that with our basement was that was where uh, we kept a lot of our food storage. So, uh, so, you know, you have your normal kitchen and pantry, but then we have excess food. We'd go downstairs or if we needed, you know, like a specialty sauce or, you know, some canned fruit or whatever, we'd have to go in the basement. So what eventually happened was whether it was me or one of my siblings, we always made a conscious effort to uh, keep that basement door locked. So uh, we eventually got a dog and our dog really was drawn to that basement door. And so um, I remember at night we would let our dog, you know, just kind of sleep wherever and there'd be just 
dozen times where our dog would just lose it at that basement door and we'd always make sure it was locked and I remember one night our dog was losing it again I was like oh, okay you know whatever like I'm gonna go get my dog and I go over to the basement door and someone left it unlocked and the door was slightly ajar there the hauntings went from the basement to the rest of the house and why would you guys have like the the basement open during the day? I mean, did you use it for storage generally? I know you said it was your room at one point, but before that, uh, so uh, so we would we would just go down there to get you know we we would make sure we go down during the daytime. So half the basement was um, accessible to like outside, um, but the other half was like clearly underground. And so we would go down there only when it was light outside, and we turn every light on in the basement to grab whatever we're grabbing, and then we'd go back up. Um, so it just eventually happened to where one of us either had our hands full and couldn't lock it. And we went, we forgot to lock it when we went to go back. Um, and, and so from whatever down in that basement eventually made its way up and was no longer, um, restricted by that door. Yeah. Did you ever find yourself in the, uh, walking your dog out in the woods and, you know, maybe anything happened out there? Um, there'd be not necessarily our, so our dog was a house dog. We'd, we'd keep her inside. I mean, okay. she'd get out every now and then, but, um, she would always, she would always bark from the, the main floor out to the backyard and, and that the basement and things like that. Interesting. And then was there ever a time period where you felt like there was no, like any activity, things seemed to calm down and get back to normal? Yeah, that's and that's kind of the weird thing was there would definitely be times where it would be the it would be heightened or whatever, and then things would just be cool for a month or two or whatever, and then it'd always be something would happen and it would they would ha they would kick up again for another couple of days or weeks or whatever, and then kind of die down. But it was definitely an up and down thing where it got to the point we would almost forget about it. We'd be like, oh, like do something and then we'd realize like oh like yeah we can't go in the basement yeah and what would you think would you classify like like a spirit or energy or an entity or you know what what do you think it was i, I honestly i don't think it was a human entity um the reason for that just because the section where um my house was um was there was no were no people there like this is just kind of the wood i think this is something more either like a woodland entity or some kind of demonic entity just out in the dark woods to where no one would bother it and uh, i eventually stumbled across it yeah so it's like a developing area and then yeah you come out there and probably no one's really stepped foot out there and who knows how long and uh you just came across it and that's crazy so, you know, and then it takes these little well, breaks and, every now and then, like it's on Christmas break and it's with its little entity family. But, uh, right. <laughs> so well, I, and then, I like to, and then I guess another, another detail I should share about the house was that house was built. So this wasn't a house that was been out there for a while. People have been living there. This was a brand. We were the first people to live there. Yeah. Another incident. So there was a, a handful of incidences that really bothered me, um, as I got older, I remember whenever I was in the basement, images of different terrible things would just be projected into my head. It was almost like pop-up ads uh, where, you know, I'm just doing my own thing. And then I, out of the blue, just get these weird, just 
because I never would think about ever just pop into my brain. It's like, oh my gosh. And it just was accompanied by that negative energy. Um, some of the different things, um, first thing that would really scare us, this was back before our basement was finished. And so we, we didn't go in the basement, but it was right after that door incident where the basement doors left open. Um, my dad, so my dad was, uh, he'd travel a lot. And so it was often just my mom. And so, um, a lot of times at the beginning, a lot of the activity would only take place when my dad was gone. Now, before we go on, a message from our sponsors. A couple of things that would really freak me out would be um, like around one or two in the morning, uh, the alarm to our, um, our garage door would go off. So not the garage door itself, but the door that led to the garage uh, would that be That was inside the house? Open was inside the house would be opened our garage door would be closed and that door would open and would set an alarm off and wake everyone up so we would wake up and the alarm's going off and so we we don't you know do we call the police like we don't know like is someone in the house so my mom being the only adult in the house had to go find the door and uh wasn't the front door wasn't the back door but it was the door to the garage and my mom's like, did anyone open this door? And this was a door that had um, a deadbolt and uh, just like a, a like a, a knob lock. So um, whatever it was had to undo both. That's scary. And did she keep the keys with her like at all times? So, like that was like her person or not where it was like easy accessible for you guys to just like open it up. You know, she were to lock Well, that it. was the kind that was the thing. Well, I mean, it was, so we were inside, so, you know, we would have access to the locks. I mean, um, but, uh, and I mean, no one would, me and my siblings at this point, we were, we were kind of on high alert when it was just my mom because we didn't feel, you know, comfortable. Yeah. Being out um, and so no one also at like 1am, like, out. yeah, every kid just wants to be in their bed and just like, yeah, every shadow that moves yeah. you, you know, you, you have these images in your head. At least me, I was scared of the dark forever. And, uh, yeah. That's yeah, crazy. we were we were definitely we were we would be in our room and then we would leave our doors open, turn the hallway light on, have night lights. I mean, the whole thing. And we none of us, number one, would have no business being up that late. But I mean, we were too terrified to to be out without an adult or you know, you know, in the dark house. Um, yeah. And then as an adult, I mean, have you brought up these stories with your parents? And you know, maybe they had something happen to you at that time, but they didn't want to tell you guys to you know, kind yeah. of incite fear. Yeah, my mom, um, she had a couple of different instances where she saw people looking into windows um, from whether the backyard or the side ha side of the house. It was always on the sides where it was directly involved or directly contacting woods. So it would never come from our neighbor's side uh, or the front of the house. It would always be coming from behind or to the side. But there's a handful of times where uh, she saw people looking in our house. Like groups figure, of people or just, uh, you know, yeah, figures. So it did look like, like almost like shadow people or no distinct Yeah, like, like a, yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, and you know, this is like our windows are clearly open. There's not like a curtain there or blinds. Uh, but yeah, very indistinguishable, um, uh, just entity just yeah, peering in. Would this be at night, sometimes anything during the daytime when it was like more obvious or, you know, what did she ever mention a lot of why it, she was looking? A lot of it was when it was, um, 
either during the day itself or when it was starting to get dark. Not necessarily nighttime or the night itself or early morning. It was either night or late, or not night, uh, day or late day. All right. And then uh, what other kind of stories you have from this this house? I feel like there's so much history here. You know, do you ever anybody around your town ever say like, you know, hey, that house you're, you live at's built it on, you know, something stereotypical where it's like there's an Indian burial ground around those parts. I don't know, you know, the, uh, the exact area. I know I grew up in a small town where, yeah. you know, my family's house, it's five miles away from uh, like a historic Indian ba- burial ground. And, you know, we've had sightings out there personally and you know, I'd mm-hmm. seen like red eyes. I don't think that was in correlation with that, but it was just, it was out there in the woods, like, right. you know, a right. good 40 minute drive to the nearest Walmart, that kind of, you know, out there. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the section of Georgia where I lived there, a lot of the towns and the, um, the counties and everything had native American names or tribes associated. So it was definitely, uh, and especially that part of where I grew up. Um, there, it was very rich with Civil War history and with uh, Native American history, and so, um, but uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say. It's just so weird. Just kind of the section we were in. Um, I, I can't imagine anyone wanting to be out there. Um, but I mean, that definitely is a factor. Of you know, there might have been some overlap with some historical significance in terms of uh, you know death or burial grounds or battles or whatever. Did you guys ever have like campfires in the backyard at nights or, you know, just um, family gatherings, things like that, where you guys would be all out at night, maybe you see something similar or, you know, you're on high alert because it's something in the back of your head? Um, the only time that was, we were all together for that was that basement incident. We were watching something, but uh, we, we would never, we had no business being out in our backyard. We had no we didn't invite friends over and hang out or anything. We would, we would avoid it. Yeah. So you're more like uh homebody people. You just like to be in your homes. You enjoy, you know, each other's company. Well, not so much. Happening. We would go do a, we would go do events or whatever, but we, we would, there kind of came a point to where it was like, we just need to get out of this house for a night or a day or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, in terms of events, like we, yeah, we wouldn't invite, we wouldn't host things and go out in our backyard. Like we were like, shindig, and, you and, know. <laughs> hey, everybody, let's yeah. get the Ouija board out, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, no. Well, and then people also kind of picked up on it too. And, and they kind of also had the desire to be nowhere near, near the woods. Yeah. Did you have, uh, were there any other like neighborhood children in that, in that area? You no, that was not that was, part of, that was part of the reason why we were kind of given free reign of, you know, kind of go do whatever. There were no kids on my street. Wow. So, it was just, yeah, it was like your own little jungle gym of yeah. exploring. And I remember back, you know, I mean, I'm 27 and, you know, I'm, I'm going to say we're probably around the same age, you know, so. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were kids, you could just go out. You can do whatever. I used to walk like the whole town, different towns. I would walk like what it would take probably now like a two-hour drive, you know, to to different towns. I would just walk it. I walked for like, eight hours a day, and uh, oh yeah, you know, I never thought like, oh, I'm gonna get kidnapped. But you know, well, yeah, it's, it's I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, we grew up kind of in an era where we didn't have cell phones or whatever. I mean, I don't know about you, but I was always given the rule to be inside before the street lights would turn on. Yeah, it was like they, my, my. They gave me like a, a a watch. My dad did at one point. He said, "Okay, if you see this at seven thirty, 
uh, you're grounded. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I had to be home before then. And then when daylight savings came, he was like, yeah, just if you see it get dark, get home. And I was like, okay. But sometimes I'd be out there to like 11 or 12. At one time I was out at like, like 2 a.m. I don't even know why I was out that late. And it was just, wow. you know, and I was far too, like super far in the woods, you know, cause I just, I like being in the woods and, uh, yeah. but yeah, same thing. I thought I heard something or something was following me and I never ran faster in my life. I ran home like four miles straight, just running, 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 you know, even when yeah. I got to the city area, I was still running terrified. Yeah. Um, let's see. I have two other uh, big store, not big stories, but big events that happened that uh, would always freak me out. I remember, um, so kind of, you know, my dad was always traveling. Sometimes my mom would have to do stuff. And so there would be times um, where um, you have to come home to just an empty house. So uh, my bus driver, uh, she was very close with my family because, I mean, she'd have to pick us up. We were kind of out of the way. And so, it, you know, she picked us up for years, you know, from elementary to high school or whatever, picking us up in the bus. And so she kind of she kind of knew me and my parents and she knew if both cars were in the driveway, my parents were home. And if both cars were gone, that it was home alone. So a lot of times my bus driver would ask, Hey, is, you know, someone here for you to, you know, to, to be here or like, cause you know, I don't want to drop you off if you're just going to be by yourself, if you're locked out or whatever. But I remember a time where, um, be a couple of times where, uh, we would come home, both cars would be gone, my mom would be away or whatever, and uh, the front door to my house would be wide open. My bus driver would say, um, there's someone here for you? Or, like, is there a reason why the door is open? A lot of times we would just say, no, it's kind of just what happens with my house. Um, that was kind of freaky. And then um, I remember one time, this is the second part, um, this now this one really freaked us out, and um, I I don't I to this day I still have no idea. Same situation except it was later at night. Um, it was around seven or eight, so it was it was dark or getting dark or whatever. Um, and it was my mom and my siblings, and we come home, and we pull in the driveway, and we you know we wept the car in front of the house, and the headlights shine on the house, the front door is wide open, and our first thought was our dog has probably ran away, so we're we're freaking out, so we're we're more worried about the dog. So we go inside and we're screaming at our, our dog's name, but thankfully we hear our dog barking. Um, but so my house had. A second story and had a basement but um our dog would never like just i don't know, I don't know what our dogs we all we always bought our dogs older um and we never got them as puppies so we got them older um a lot of them were retired show dogs they were older dogs they didn't really like stairs and so they wouldn't really go in the basement they wouldn't really go up the stairs because the the stairs to my second floor um you'd go up a set of stairs and then there'd be like a landing and then you'd turn and go up more sets of stairs uh, so, you know, quite quite a, you know, quite a, a physical feat for an older animal. Um, we go in the house and we can't find our dog, but we hear it barking. So we're like, okay, at least we can hear the dog barking. And so we're trying to pinpoint where the barking's coming from and we realize it's coming from upstairs. And so we kind of all look at each other and we're like, this is, this is not normal. Like we were, at, our our first thought was, there's someone upstairs and our dog has cornered this this person. So 
we all go upstairs hesitantly and then we get so we we go up the the the, the set of stairs and we get on the landing and we turn the corner i can kind of see up the stairs a little bit not much i can see um just where the stairs are situated in the hallway is i can hear my dog i can't see my dog but i can hear it and i can see that the attic door you know the attics that you it's got the string on it and you yeah, pull it down yeah. and it's got the ladder and it pulled out that is open which we we never use it i mean i think i maybe see my dad go up there maybe three times the you know the amount of time i lived there yeah all those years uh, yeah so door is open and the ladder is down my dog so i go up the stairs and my dog is losing it like foaming at the mouth barking up this ladder uh, into this dark attic so there's we don't have a light switch for the the attic like you have to go up the, the ladder first all the way up and then the walk four or five feet pull this chain that illuminates the attic only half the attic the other half is still in darkness and so um Everyone's freaking out. And my mom comes up and my siblings come up and we're like, um, her dog is barking like there's something in this attic. How, how uh, high up is the what, attic like string? Is it something like uh like you or your siblings can grab yeah, or is it one that's like high up? Like you have to, you know, make an effort to get to it. It's it's it would it, it would hang up down about a foot or two, um, and like a typical ceiling. Definitely, you would have to be at least a preteen to access it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing too. And that was the freaky thing, was the spring to that attic door was either misaligned or broken because when you would pull it down, you would have to grab it and um, put some body weight into it. You would have to you'd have to use your body weight to pull it down. Like like and there there was no way. At this time, my brother or I could have done that, um, or would want to. We would, I mean, we were, you know, we, the, there was nothing in this attic, and it just had like, like, just like spaced boards. You couldn't step off the space boards in the attic. Like there wasn't like a floor. Oh yeah, it was just uh, um, yeah, they're just just you know foundation or yeah, yeah. it's open the insulation <laughs> between each one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's like you know we might have went up there once and got. The insulation and got you know super irritated skin and we're like yeah this is dumb why did we come up here um but yeah so anyways and then that the things pulled down i was losing it and so i was like like what do we do like do we like do we call the police did you, anybody go uh, up there? anybody like you go up there anybody so event, up there? what <laughs> what we did honestly is we were just like let's just close the attic door then <laughs> it didn't happen it, yeah just let's just that's just closing. Who's ever out there? They're out there. That, they can stay there. Yeah. But thankfully, nothing ever came down, or nothing that we we saw. I was, and that was the thing because during the time my my bedroom was down the hall from that. So, uh, the whole night I was my ears were straining to hear that creaky spring, you know, expand or whatever, as if someone were to come down. My fear was that there was a burglar up there. Didn't know what to do. Ran up there and hot and hid. And um, just waited until he thought we left. But um, I mean, th- there was there was nothing. I mean, nothing ever came down. Yeah, that's scary. So what might have went up there might still be up there to this day, then. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, we we sold the house. We didn't. 
um not to them not to my we didn't smudge it but uh we, we had different religious people come out there and bless the house and things like that and, it, and and that would go away and then for whatever reason just whether the time or the persistence of whatever entity it would eventually find its way back yeah that's to my understanding is that smudging at least that's what i do is i practice with smudging and it only lasts you know x amount of time so I just have my my smudge my smudger my phasmophobia smudger on standby. So I, you know I'm just uh, I try not to think about it. I feel like the more the more I think about it, the more energy I give whatever it is. And um, oh for for sure. Yeah, and then I don't know. I'm just so paranoid sometimes. You know, especially with what we do. You know, reading horror stories essentially, yeah. and it's in your headspace. You know, you're thinking about it and. You know, and I still go to bed listening to horror stories. You know, I'm sure um, whoever's yeah. listening to this, you probably can relate to both of us a lot. Um, because, yeah, we just were fascinated by it. It's fascinating and it's terrifying right. and it's, you know, it's it's beautiful too. But, yeah, it's scary. For sure. Let's see. Oh, let me take a little break, breathe. Today's video was brought to you by Cheerio. No, I'm just kidding. No, um. <laughs> <laughs> raid battle. Raid. Yeah. Uh, raid shadow. Raid battle legend. <laughs> yeah. With over one million players listening to spooky yeah. stories worldwide. No. Uh. <laughs> we have three thousand power. <laughs> if you hit the yeah. like and subscribe button. You'll you'll help. You'll raid shadow it. <laughs> yeah. Uh. These are pretty terrifying. I'm actually getting like enthralled in these. Just hearing them, I'm like, Jesus Christ. My eyes are all popping out. Yeah, for sure. Well, one of the fun things, too, what I really like about is I feel like there's an entertainment aspect, a huge entertainment aspect of what we do and, you know, whether it's narrating or writing or whatever. But I feel like also with these stories and all the stuff that we do, I feel like there's an education um aspect to it as well i feel like a lot of times we'll hear these stories and you know they have these experiences and they share them with people people kind of know how to handle their own situation um yeah and a lot of like people comment that fight or flight sense gets you know engaged um you know without even having to essentially be there because i've always played situations in my head when i'd hear stories like what would i do what would i do you know and uh yeah, and I really do feel like, you know, those red flags that pop up, you see them more often once you hear other people's stories and you know what to look out for. I remember there was a story, I don't know if it was Lazy Masquerade or Phantom Librarian, but there was one story It's kind of that would actually technically fall under the topic that we're talking about. However, it was unrelated. Um, this was in a different state altogether. But um, I remember hearing a story about this these people going camping and uh, at a previous camping event or whatever, uh, they got some things stolen. And so for whatever reason, they had uh, they decided to videotape the camp, the camp, uh, I don't know, surveillance, whatever, I don't know, while they slept. And so then, you know, the morning they wake up and they notice a couple things moved around. So they go back to watch the camera and some dude out of nowhere just, you know, comes and goes through their stuff. But to make things creepier... Not only does he go through their stuff, but he goes into their tent entirely that they're sleeping in while they're sleeping, goes into the tent and is in there for 10 to 15 minutes. 
And so I remember hearing that story, and um, I was on a camping trip, and we were on public land kind of near um, this road that was very uh, – it was in the middle of nowhere, but however, at the same time, this road um, – you have to take this road to get to this other part of town. So despite it kind of being in the middle of nowhere, uh, this road was quite frequented by um, different, you know, people driving or whatever. So we're parked. Um, our campsite is down the hill from this. You know, it's, you know, 100 meters, 200 meters, whatever, um, from this thing. But there, it's a huge, it's a huge slope down. And then there's like bits of rock um, kind of just scattered across this. And another quick message from our sponsors. Dirt mound or whatever, the, the ground that leads down to our campsite. Mm -hmm. And um, I, remember, I remember at night, um, and ever since I got into this or ever since I've heard these stories, I've um, made the uh, educated choice to always go camping or go into the woods with a firearm. So um, I remember at night, it was right before I was about to fall asleep. And um, I heard uh, rocks coming down the hill as if someone were to be coming down a hill. Uh, and it sounded like, you like know, it wasn't just like one rock. Like it was like. Yeah, it was like, it was a, it was a shuffle with rocks accompanied by it. Mm -hmm. So my first instinct, I think of this story and I'm thinking somebody's coming to my campsite Come into my tent and be in my tent for ten minutes while I'm asleep. <laughs> oh, so I get out. I get out. I have my gun. I have my flashlight. Granted, there are other campsites, but they're not behind us. Like the, that's where this huge slope is, and that's where I'm hearing the sound. So there shouldn't be anyone coming down this hill. Because um, for for anyone to be coming down the hill, you have to park your car on this road, which you know two or you know two lane road. So. Um, there's not really a shoulder to park on. You'd have to park in the middle of the road or whatever, um, get out and come down this hill. And so that's like, this is what's happening. Someone's coming down this hill. Someone, you know, someone's trying to rob us. And so, uh, you know, I go out there and there's obviously nothing, but I always think about that. Um, I feel like with these stories, with all the different narrators and different story writers that they've, whether or not it's, we realize it, but they've given us additional survival instinct i feel like i feel like i have more information i feel like i'm more educated going into the woods that i have a game plan that people know where i am that i have you know the necessary things i need uh, just because i've heard so many stories yeah i imagine you know what people don't think about is there's like two types of people that go into the woods the ones that are going for a purpose and then the ones that are going to be a little more nefarious because it's you know, the final frontier, you know, like the wild west, there's no cops out there. They can do whatever they want. And, uh, right. you know, people don't think about that very often, but <laughs> those people are out there and there's, uh, you know, people that you wouldn't expect, you know, there's so many stories of people driving, you know, in a secluded area and there's a girl inside the road or, or someone broken down or someone walking right. and, you know, they, might pass them by and then you see a car headlights turn on and then they tailgate them. And I've just heard so many stories like that. And, uh, you know, it just seems like, uh, repeating occurrence, you know, just, and these are the people that, you know, we know of and, you know, imagine all the people that I, you pull over to help these people and they don't, you know, maybe they're not 
someone's child maybe you know it's someone that's older and they've become disassociated with their family and they just kind of do their own thing and you know they they disappear there's it's so many cold cases and it's terrifying you know and and as a parent now you know my daughter's seven and i'm just uh, i i feel like you know i always made fun of those parents that would like shadow over their children and just you know watch everything they do but i'm i'm like that i'm I, like in public just always over here and just terrified just terrified of you know yeah of, and she's a girl you know not like you know she's defenseless yeah. but she is she's seven she's tiny and people are are terrible and scary and you know and that's just yeah. people there's so many other things out there yeah. Um, that kind of reminds me, this is a, another story that would technically fall under what we're talking about, but it's not my story, but it's, um, a story my friend's dad told us and I was kind of in the room at the time, but, uh, during that, I don't know uh, if you know this or not, but the challenger explosion with the space shuttle, yeah. um, in the eighties, um, so it blew up and what NASA or whatever, what they needed to do, uh, to figure out, cause at the time they didn't know what happened. But what they needed to do was they needed to find every piece of that shuttle to, you know, figure out what, you know, what happened. And, you know, because they at the time they didn't know. So what they did was, um, I, I don't know if it's this, this event or not, uh, but it was the very, the same, this, I don't know if it was a Challenger itself, but there was a, a, a spacecraft um, that, you know, the government was testing. And it, it exploded over swamplands or whatever. And so they're like, oh, great. Like, this is kind of, this is literally in, in nowhere. Like, we'll have to take boats or we'll have to take, you know, all-terrain vehicles to get to this place. Because, like, there's there's no access to this place. There's no roads. Um, so he was telling me uh, he had a buddy. And so they had these these teams go out there to find these pieces. Um, about, they had a, a about a dozen or two cases while while they're just looking for space shuttle parts, they're just looking for that. Um, they found uh, a dozen or two people either, um killed and dumped in these woods, whether they were tied to trees, or hanging, or you know just disposed just out in these. But they weren't even going out there to find people, and they found like like a couple dozen. That's crazy. I'm sure. I mean, were these. They, the authorities, were they, you know, police officers that were helping these people find the missing spacecraft or did they have to like contact? Did you mention that if they had to contact the authorities and have them come out and wait for them? Oh, yeah. So they, yeah, they, they contacted the authorities and a lot of them were either missing people or just missing, you know, children or whatever. Um, and he suspects that a lot of it was just uh, mob hits and they just discarded the bodies out there and, you know, they're, they're, there's no one out there, so you know who's going to find him. And it just so happened, a freak accident happened uh, that caused it to overlap, and then they found these bodies out there in the woods. Wow. Yeah, I wonder if anything ever happened from those. You know, if they were able to trace back, or you know, finally put right put someone to rest. You know, at least on a case of hey, this person's missing, they get them off the egg carton, and you know, their family knows now. Right. The stories that bother me a lot um, are where they're like looking for people like in different, you know, whether it's national forests or in the woods, like they're like doing a search party and they find bodies that they aren't looking for. Like that to me scares me. Like there are people missing we don't even know about. Um, I went on a cruise down there or whatever and we, we left from Galveston, but I remember hearing that um, the stretch of road from the airport Galveston is like that's they they think that's like the longest stretch road where they found the most bodies with the people just discarded 
which always freaks me out because I remember um, I would uh, I currently live in the West, and so I'd go to Vegas, you know, whether for work or for you know whatever. And I just remember driving for miles, just not seeing any service stations or gas stations or whatever. And I just I always think to myself, just because of that, I'm like, how many bodies are out there we just don't even know about? I think about that stuff all the time. It just keeps me up at night. And, uh, you know, luckily there's melatonin that kind of helps. But there's only so much. For sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I think a lot of my scary stories personally from the woods I've suppressed, but I feel like listening to your stories have just made some of them resurface, at least in the back of my mind. And they're just kind of like, you know, they're bubbling up like a cauldron coming to temp. And, uh, nice. Yeah. One of your stories reminded me when I was, I must've been probably around five or six. And, uh, you know, I was, I was with my dad at the time. Um, you know, my parents were separated. So, at this point, I was with my dad, you know, whatever for the weekend or whatever time mm. um, I'd be at his house. And he lived mm. um, kind of like the next neighborhood over from my family's, uh, at least my dad's side of the family's house, which is like out there in the woods. And next town over mm. is an even smaller town. Um, so he's living in this town at the time. And uh, he's one of these guys that has the bonfires at nights. And, you know, he's got some nice. work friends over. They're all drinking, having time. Um, very little children are there, you know, very, and when I say little children, I don't mean they're small kids. I mean, there's no kids. It's just me. So I got to make my own fun, you know? And I think, uh, I'm thinking my little brother was born around that time and he must've been like Mm. a year old or, you know, not old enough to even really be a person. He was just kind of like a thing. So he's just, Mm. you know, he's just there. Can't really do very much with him. So I make my own fun. And at one point during the night, they're, they got the fire going and they're making s'mores. And I'm like, oh, gosh, this is my thing. I love s'mores. I love food. So I, I go to make it. And I'm on my dad's like tailgate of his truck sitting. They have it backed up against the fire. So we have another kind of chair. And uh, it's like a low riding truck, small, small truck. So I'm, I'm able uh-huh. to get my stick in the fire still. And I'm got it going. My feet are hanging and like the marshmallow is on fire. I'm just kind of staring at it. You know, just as a kid, you just kind of stare at the fire. Yeah. Uh, And it just like burns and it melts off the stick and lands right on my foot (laughs) as it's on fire. So my foot's like on fire and I kick it off. I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like foot's burned. And then my dad's just like, hey, just go sit over. He puts like an ice pack or he does like the dad thing. It's like a thing of peas out of the freezer and puts on my yeah. You know, it, it puts the least amount of effort into yeah. helping. Yeah. That's hey, awesome. You know, this will thaw out in two minutes, but here you go. You know, so exactly <laughs> you put that on there and I'm, I'm still wanting to be a part of the, the whole situation outside, but I didn't want to either. So I'm just, I remember I was yeah. sitting for context, you know, it's a small house, uh, small, not brick, but it's like the stone house, like old school stone where they use, you know, like, uh, I don't even know what kind you would call it. It just looks like stone that's been rearranged to make a house, like an old Western style. Right. Um, yeah. And across from the street, there's a little gas station, like Ma and Pa gas station. Very little mm-hmm. lighting, no lighting on the side, just in the front, maybe a little bit lighting mm-hmm. at the gas pumps. And this is 2000, I don't know, three at the time, 2002. Mm-hmm. Um and I just remember like my eyes kept getting fascinated to this gas station, but not to the gas station, but to the side of it. And keep in mind this whole area, 
besides this road that crosses from my dad's house to the gas station and maybe some of the houses that are, you know, each house is like an acre of land in between. So there's no neighbors really right next to you. Um, but there's mm-hmm. woods on both sides behind the gas station, behind the, my dad's house, all that's just wooded. And then it goes on and on and on. And yeah, I'm looking into the woods essentially next to this gas station. I see this a black mass and it just looks huge even for a kid you know as an adult and i look at things that i used to look at as a child and i thought oh that that looked way bigger but as an adult i can still take perspective and say man that thing was huge like easily 10 feet you know but no distinct figure and the only way i can really explain it it looked like oh god like a pom-pom like a cheerleader's pom-pom but with like tentacles almost or oh like the they weren't really stringy arms but that many arms that were just thick and they came to points and they were moving and almost transparent at the ends but really hard to discern any any shape and i see this i see this thing and my eyes are fixated on i keep staring at it you know almost to the point where i don't even feel the pain anymore in my foot i'm just so focused on this 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 thing and i can't stop looking away and after a certain point um I see police sirens, you know, and like three police cars show up to the gas station and they're shining their flashlights on the side of the gas station where I was just looking at for like the past 10 minutes, you know, they're looking and and they're, that was like the biggest thing that stuck out to me. It was like, you know, something just happened and I was watching it, but I couldn't make out the, what it was. I don't know, you know, what, right. And it didn't look like anyone in the gas station had came out. And uh, I remember at the time my dad had, you know, he had went, he walked to the front of the yard and he was investigating it, but told me to stay put, you know, all the other adults were looking. And then at some point he came back and told me like, Hey, it's time to go inside. Like they never told me what happened. And I, I don't think I ever mentioned, mentioned it to my dad as an adult, but yeah, it'd be interesting if he, if he still remembers that night and, uh, uh. yeah, maybe, I don't know what it was, but it's one of those things that's lingered in my my head for years and just listening to your stories brought it back well what i like about that story is i think the mass is cool but the the tentacles kind of remind me of like a slender man kind of thing honestly yeah <laughs> like you know that yeah like uh imagine like a instead of slender like a thick man though because it was wide and <laughs> round uh-huh. it was it was a uh-huh. thick boy <laughs> but i was, see you know, slender tentacle Thick body man, <laughs> thick, da- thick daddy thick in the woods. Daddy. <laughs> yeah. Before the video begins, I just saw thick daddy. <laughs> that's yeah. That's the title. <laughs> what are you? What are you doing, thick daddy? What are you doing, step thick what daddy? Are you doing, step thick daddy? <laughs> Why are the police after you? A woo? What? Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's too funny. I'm trying. I um. I'm trying to think. Um. Just talking about all this stuff. I'm kind of being flooded with all these different memories. Um. I felt like I had. I have also out in the woods. I'm trying to think. Um. That's crazy. How many? Um. It's 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 interesting. Oh, oh. Um. Not that this is related to anything, but I often theorize, especially recently, just kind of how. Um, you, you know, if if you know me or my channel or whatever, obviously I'm 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 huge into cryptids. Um, so um, a lot of what I have a bunch of different theories of different cryptids and things like that. I think a lot of them are um, 
at some point, whether in the past or whatever, I think a lot of the cryptids that we've been experiencing or that we've been witnessing or whatever, I think they're all uh, extraterrestrial related somehow. And I've written some stories kind of around that concept. And I remember one time I was working a job. Um, I was in Washington at the time. And um, it, 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 he inspired me for a bunch of different series of stories. Uh, but I was helping this guy. He needed a ride home from where I worked. And so the place I worked at, I still work there, so I won't tell you where it's at. But I'm in a di- obviously in a different state than Washington. But um, same company, but uh, I was giving him a ride back, and he was telling me, uh, you know, He's, you know, he's ex-military, whatever, you know, high clearance or whatever. He knows all this stuff, right? And, you know, he's kind of like, he, he kind of gives off like a Walmart greeter kind of vibes. Like, you know, he's got the hat, you know, or whatever. And he's got, you know, some politically charged t-shirt. And, you know, so, you know, you just kind of look at these people and you're like, I don't know if I can take you seriously. But he brought up a lot of interesting things um, that he's actually inspired me uh, to make stories around was... um Number one, aliens are real and that they're here. Number two, that they're working for, they're collaborating with the government uh, on making um, weapons. And also, um, number three, he's telling me that they're looking at creating an alien-human hybrid. Um, not for, I mean, for sci- for obviously for scientific purposes, but also as like a biological weapon. So I instantly hear that, and I I think to myself, how cool would that be if the government was collaborating with, you know, whatever, aliens, extraterrestrials, to make these creatures and then throwing them out into the woods to see how they would adapt? Um, Because in the past, that's what they've done for different um, national parks for, like, different predators, um, there'd be an evasive species of, you know, like a fish or uh, a type of mammal or whatever, and they would eat a certain plant, and so um, they would introduce like wolves into, this, you know, biosphere in this or this um, this environmental area, and it would help correct the environmental issue of, you know, overpopulation of different things. And so I think about, I wrote a different, you know, sets of stories where they set these cryptid creatures, these alien hybrid creatures out into these national parks and um that's and that's kind of what they're doing they're doing population control it's like that so i don't know i i don't know you know i don't know if i take that guy seriously or not but um definitely gave me something to think about and uh it's you know it's i i think it's worth thinking about especially now i mean you look at the news there um a lot of different agencies are confirming that there's different sightings of different aircraft or uh, sub- submersive uh, vehicles that appear to be extraterrestrial. Yeah. Yeah, I love how they're just like, yeah. Yeah, they're real. They're real. Okay. All right, guys, fine. You know, they're just it's yeah, it's interesting and and something I heard, you know, during during COVID time, um when everyone was going crazy was that one one person that I knew at the time, he he theorized or he was deeply passionate about this, like deeply, um, that mm. COVID uh, was, you know, something that was put out to the population to, you know, change the DNA of people. And uh, you yeah, know, essentially, right. you know, it was getting getting us ready to have a different atmosphere for when aliens come and, um, 
you know, the people that lived were the ones that were able to adapt to it and, you know, live alongside the aliens. And I remember thinking, I was like, that's an interesting take. Um, you know, but yeah. Or yeah. Or, you know, or, or they're putting trackers in the, the thing in the jet, you know, they're, they're, or or population control or I think it's just like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. But I mean, the reason the the scary part about that though is the reason why that stuff is plausible is because weirder stuff has happened in the past uh, with the government. Like there's you know like you look at like MK Ultra where they just took a bunch of people and just gave them like all these drugs just to see what would happen to them. You know or you know that's just things that we know about. Like I know um, like during World War Two. Um, I think some of the terms to surrender or whatever for the Japanese is that they gave us all of their... And one last message from our sponsors. Uh, documents and uh, things that they learned from all the different torture things that they've done to people. Um, and I know from that, we that's how we learned that the human body is like 70% water. It's because of their torture techniques to where they like dehydrated people and things like that. So... Um, that, not, not, so it's, you know, that's kind of where it's like, oh, it's too crazy. But at the same time, it's so crazy. It's, it's plausible. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I didn't know that last part. I, I always wondered how we knew, <laughs> yeah. you know, did they just put someone in a big, you know, like twisty and they just squeezed out all the juice and like, yep, that's about 70%. Yeah, they, they wrung it out like a wet towel. It's like, yeah, that's about 70%. <laughs> they got a, back in the day, they would take the washboards for the clothing and they dry just them all piss. Just <laughs> <laughs> that dude is 70% piss. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just put that boy down as juicy. Yeah, I always thought he was full of shit, but it just pissed. <laughs> That's how we learned pee was stored in the balls. Yeah, and the guy is just like a pancake. Yeah, he's just flat. Yeah. He's like a cartoon pancake. <laughs> it's not, exactly. He's not even open. He's just like flattened. It's so funny. It's like two inches wide or two. Yeah. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's still walking around. Well, guys, it's been a great study, and you know, you guys can see. <laughs> well, all right, good job, everyone. Let's take a lunch. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he reconstitutes himself with a glass of water. <laughs> yeah, he just yeah, he fills. Hey, up. Anybody got a glass of piss? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm all out. Yeah, we're, can I get that? Can I get that piss back by yeah. chance, or is that gone? <laughs> can I get it back? Well, I feel um, like we we might have diverged from subject, but it was I think it was really interesting. I really loved um, just having you on tonight and your take and your stories. They've been fascinating and uh, yeah, just crazy. It's it's super interesting. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess uh, we'll, we'll close it up here. Uh, do you want to say anything else to the listeners tonight before we before we get off here? Uh, no, I, th- I think we touched on a lot of great things. I felt like you had a lot of great questions for me. Very entertaining. Uh, no, I had a great time. And uh, no, I'm, I, I hope people at home enjoy. I just want to say thanks again for listening, everybody. If you made it this far, then I'm sure you'd love to know where you can find more content. For more scary podcasts like this, and for a link to our Discord, where you can reach out to be interviewed on this show, please go to eeriecast.com. Thanks again.